travel around the world with the Open Mind Entertainment Network. Tokyo, Cairo, Berlin, Beijing, Jakarta, Rio de Janeiro. Just a few of the places where you'll find the Open Mind Entertainment Network. In every computer around the world, Internet Radio has truly come alive. here the real deal bored with the same old radio programs need something different want to hear a completely new perspective now is your chance to get your answers to those life-changing questions here on the open mind entertainment network well good evening and welcome back to uh, the show with andre everyday miracles now a few weeks ago we talked a little bit about uh, on the air um, about past lives and it's a, it's a subject that has become more popular in recent years especially with more and more children suddenly finding themselves elevated into the press or into conversation because something they remember about before they were actually born but another story that came up during that whole event is we had a couple of spirit animals come through one of the rarest ones of all and I must admit the first time for me in any show I've ever done any time was the fact that we had a lady that had called in and shared a story with me the week before in regards to the elephant in the room, where she actually saw the ghost of an elephant in her very small apartment in Los Angeles. Now, the story of plant animals, uh, the story of living animals, the story of spirit animals, are all interwoven through history. If we take a look at anything from the early Roman times to the Minoan times, there are stories of half man, half beast. There are stories of animals that could connect to us, of spiritual animals. Even the Egyptians believed in the power of the lynx, the cat that could see all, that would carry the soul and the spirit through time and maybe even come to protect you. So as we began to embrace and talk about past lives, for many people there were past lives of being Romans, or of being some... Uh, somebody killed in battle, maybe. But as that conversation continued and fell into more of past lives and interconnections, it was amazing how not only are we connected to human beings, places, houses and situations, but also animals. It seems that we think we're the most superior of all on this planet. And we forget about those cats, those dogs, those horses, and maybe their intelligence and their ability, or even their spiritual world, is maybe different to ours, but may even be more more powerful. When a cat passes over, maybe it goes to a different place, a more heavenly place. For animals tend to have a lot more innocence than we do. It's rare that an animal will actually on purposely go out to hurt somebody or hurt something just for sheer pleasure. They often hunt for food and for their own survival. So lend an ear for me right now as I discuss my thoughts on the animal world in the spiritual world, as we short talk about not just the, the animals that are living, but also the animals that have passed. You may be aware of uh, something called familiars. These are animals that are said to find us and be with us, uh, to guide us, to protect us. They're not just pets. They are more than even friends. They are spiritual beings sent to God over us in every moment of our life. For some, it could be a cat or a dog. Others, it could be a dragonfly, even a butterfly. Others, it could be that eagle that flies over the house every day. But there's a connection to animals that are great friends, the Native Americans that walked this land so many years before us, really understood. They understood the power of the eagle, of the great bear. They understood the plant spirits as well and had a connection between animals, plants and the very earth and the waters which they trod upon or walked through in everyday life. Everything held magic, everything was special. It is said that the people before us, the Native Americans here, actually trod very lightly on this earth, respected it and protected it. A lot has changed in the last 200 years. We seem to be, well, I say a little bit lost in our own souls. Greed and money have taken over and we're finding ourselves thrusting our life you know, before the nature that supports us. So is it possible that even though we are these human beings that feel superior and often aren't, is it possible that the animals that we take care of, that we work with, that we love, come back and don't haunt us, but stay with us? Is it possible that they can communicate with us? 
For many of you that know me know that I am an intuitive healing practitioner. I'm also known as Andre the Healer. I suppose the best way to describe me is a spiritual mentor. I take my time with people to understand what they need and try to encourage them and allow them to be themselves. I'm good at starting the process of healing. I believe in the power of energy. I believe that things are all possible and that miracles do happen. But what I really believe in is that this world is not a flat, not a, a, a monochrome life that we live, that it's technicolor, that it's full of layers, and that everything around us has depth. I really do believe in spirits, but I know for a fact that I do see dead people. My life is a complex one, one of looking at things from a very different perspective of most people. Most people only see what they want to see. I'm not gifted with that. I see what I have to see, and sometimes I see things I would rather not see. So once in a while, as rare as it can be, something will happen that will even surprise me. I will see the vision of a, a dog or a cat, and for a moment it will show me its last whereabouts. As I'm talking to the owner, I'll describe their long-lost poodle in great detail, even the moment and the date of death. And often the messages the animals give me are in pictures. They're not words, they're not barking, they're not yelping or meowing. It is simply a picture that's presented to me in a way that I can sometimes understand and sometimes not. For in order to read spirits of animals, you have to change your perspective and understand their images as they would see them. What was important to that lion? What was important to that cat? What was important to that that little dog, those importance, those things that had relevance to them, they will show you and guide you. So tonight I'm going to open the lines up a little bit and give you a chance to see if you can connect to your spirit animal. Now I do warn you, there are two types of spirits that will come through. The first one could be a long lost pet, something that you were close to as a child or even recently passed. Or it could be a familiar. This is more of a, a creature of power. They call it the unicorns of this world. These are animals that don't physically exist, but something about them, their spirit has carried them strong. It might be a great bear that comes through, a polar bear, for instance. It could be something like a snake, which you, know, you might fear, may have good reason. It's known to the natives of good medicine. I have no idea what will happen when I open the lines. I have no idea what will come through. I have no idea what the questions will be, but I will test every single one of these creatures as they come through. I want to make sure that we are communicating with the correct creature. It's important that I will have questions that will throw out you of things that would have happened in the life of that creature or things that the familiar will tell us about you. Some may be embarrassing, some may be odd. But before you pick up the phone, try to remember a little bit about your life, about that pet that you love so dearly. And more importantly, have someone close by you can text or reach out to that can answer the questions for you. For if the animals come through, they might not just come through for you, they could come through for an auntie or an uncle or a best friend or even a lover. I'll start with a simple story. A story of hope and happiness, of possibilities. Not a story that will make the hairs on the back of your neck stand up in chill. Will make you look out the window to see if somebody's staring in. Not a scary story, Halloween has passed. But a story of the love and devotion of a German shepherd. There are many stories that I've heard about various dogs, but no more or less will you hear about German Shepherds. They are the ones that come back the most. Strange you may seem, but they are the closest we know to the wolf. And we know the power of the wolf, just in the Native American mythology, the stories of the power of the wolf, and how the wolf was strength and wily, but always disciplined, always careful, and always sincere. For the German Shepherd for whatever reason, in the spiritual world, has the ability to step between both sides more easily than any other animal that I know. This is a story that holds true for so many, and you may even have heard this story or even be part of it. For This was a well-known story that happened right here in good old Arizona. It's interesting how, over a lifetime, we struggle with our emotions and feelings. But one of the hardest things, I think, is to face addictions. This young man found himself in that place. At 15, he first started to prove himself around his friends. He wanted to show off and show people that he was stronger, better, and more resilient. 
but he wasn't doing so well at making those friends. So he decided to do the thing that we all tend to do at some point in our life, make bad choices. His choices started off with simply smoking cigarettes. Well, that quickly changed, and soon he went from cigarettes to heroin to methamphetamine, in all but a very short period. During this time, his mother and father became increasingly worried about this young man. They did everything they possibly could to try and pull him together, but alas, nothing was happening. His addictions and his need for friends, and even his greed for money, stealing from everybody, including his own family, to pay for that addiction, were growing stronger every day. And then it happened. I suppose you could call it kismet, call it a miracle, or even call it a familiar or a spirit guide coming through. One of those nights when he had disappeared, it was a Friday, I believe, he had found his fix and was heading downtown, knew exactly where he wanted to hang out, and he was determined to get high. He had such a smile on his face. His old Honda chuckled along the road, one tire almost flat, cracking the windshield, the seats, well, are best described as not that comfortable. Everything about his life at this point was the lowest point, the lowest ebb anybody could be. Everything was literally focused on his addictions, on him taking care of himself. He didn't care about his parents, or his, his appearance, the look, or even the fact that he almost had a flat tyre. He just didn't care. His mind was firmly fixed onto that little foil packet in his pocket, and how much pleasure that would give him. This was good stuff. This was really good stuff. He'd stolen a considerable amount of money to be able to buy this tonight, and he was happy that he didn't care he was running out of gas. He didn't care that it was starting to rain. He didn't care any of those things. All he could think about was going to his favourite place to get high. That's when it happened. Just for a second, there was a flash. He saw something in the road. He slammed on his brakes and he skidded. The front tyre that was almost bald and almost flat literally ripped off the rim. The car mounted the curb and caught the side of a lamppost. Dazed and not really knowing where he was, he stepped outside to see what he'd almost hit. He hadn't almost hit it. He'd actually hit what looked like a small coyote. As he got closer, he realised he'd hit a German shepherd. He'd laid there almost lifeless. Not thinking about his fix, not thinking about his car, he quickly got over the dog and covered it over to keep the rain off it. He lifted it carefully to the side of the road. A lady that was passing by saw what was going on and stopped. She pulled over. He begged her to help him get it to the nearest emergency vet. She did willingly, not knowing who he was, seeing how scruffy he was and knew, obviously, that he was a drug addict. Still, the dog became the most important focus. He had a little bit of money left from the night that he'd stolen, but the drugs weren't important anymore. He was standing there at the vets and he was asking about the prognosis of the dog. It was the small, young, healthy, but now very injured German Shepherd. He remembers looking into its eyes and he said that it was just so much in pain, but there was so much love. He's no idea how many hours passed. He took every penny he got and he covered the cost but he had nowhere to go his car was still broken down stuck on the side of the street he realised he had abandoned the car and was probably getting into a lot of trouble all he could think of was to call his parents it was a moment where his fear really arose he'd been so horrible to them and now he wanted to come home and bring a dog with him he picked up the phone it was quite late he seems to remember his mother answered the phone Instead of anger and all the things they'd felt recently and the pain that they'd put them through, instantly his mother said, no problem. His mom and dad got in the car, drove over to the animal clinic and took them both back. The desire for addictions was going away. This poor puppy was so sick. He cared for its wounds every day. Two weeks went by. Not once did he think about drugs. He went through a minor moment where he began to shake and sweat and there was a point where he felt like he needed to have the drugs but he, he looked at the dog and saw the pain that he had caused and realized that he had to stay with this dog he couldn't think of a name and, and then he remembered a show that he used to love and the dog on that show was called Benji so he decided to call the dog Benji 
After the first couple of weeks, the dog began to become more active, and eventually Benji was able to move and walk. A month, two months had gone by, and by now he was getting sober. It's not easy to stop an addiction, especially on heroin or meth. And he's no, to this day has no idea how that happened. It's almost as if Benji was the healer. Well, after that, things began to change. The car was sorted out. He paid his fines. He did what he needed to do. He, he paid his dues. He got a job even. And his whole focus of his life was around Benji. He worked in a supermarket, so when he got home at night, he'd bring various treats and Benji would be waiting for him at his parents' house. He realised the value of his mom and dad and how much they loved him. He started doing the gardening, started cleaning up, even putting his laundry in, in the laun- in, in, into the machine. Still not knowing quite how to work it, he did occasionally flood the little laundry room that they had. And there would be Benji rolling in the bubbles and playing. It was as if he'd found his soulmate. This dog was the most incredible creature that could ever have walked this earth. Every moment of every second he'd spend. Sometimes they would sleep together. He'd sit down and Benji would put his head on his lap. This dog was saving his soul. Time went by, almost five years, and it was coming towards Christmas. And he said it was about two weeks away from Christmas when Benji started to limp. Immediately he took it down to the local vet. And by now, he'd become quite good friends with the vet because he'd volunteered on weekends to help as a vet tech. There was a look in the vet's eyes. They took the dog in the back and were gone for quite a while, took some x-rays. Came back and gave the news. There's something about when you have a child or a dog or a friend or someone you love and you know there's bad news coming, before a person even opens their mouth, you can feel it. There's a sense, there's almost this feeling that you're going to get pain. You just don't know what that pain will be. You saw the vet's moves, vet's lips move, and it began to listen to the words cancer. Progressive. Aggressive. Unoperable. And when he got to that stage, he closed his eyes and felt his whole world drifting away. Well, after a few days, Benji began to limp more, and until he could not really walk. He reached over to him and held his, held his paw. Benji lifted up his head, and now it was getting time to go. Benji had had a beautiful basket that he actually made for him. He got some wood, some old timber, and made this a packing crate and designed this bed just for the Benji. He'd even made the cushions himself. He'd learned to sew, put the buttons in. It was something he'd done, all these hobbies he'd done to help fight his addictions and to take care of Benji. They killed up that night. And when he awoke, Benji was asleep. In the deepest sleep anybody could ever be. His eyes were closed and... He was lifeless. I want you to imagine what that's like when you've had a friend with you, someone who rescued you, saved your life quite by accident, and you've dedicated every moment to that friendship, and suddenly Benji's no more. But that was not the end of Benji. When I come back in a few minutes, I'll share with you what happened next. And if you don't believe in miracles, then that's fine. But I would open your mind tonight because maybe the things around you that you least understand are probably best left not understood and more accepted. And maybe it's okay to be open to possibilities and new hope, but more importantly, to be open to life after death. Welcome back. You're listening to Everyday Miracles with Andre. Before the little break we had, we were talking about Benji, the spiritual dog to be that was lost so suddenly after a short lifetime of real changes. Before I continue, I want to share with you there are 10 signs of a pet visiting from the afterlife. One is that you'll often hear their paws, little sounds of footprints around the house or down the stairs. Sometimes you'll hear their claws on the hardwood floors in the kitchen 
or a scratching if they're a cat. You might even hear that little bell that's on your cat's collar, or even the dog as he walks through, that chink-chink-chink of the little things that are hanging, some of the tags or things that you have around that dog. You might even hear the sound outside, the, the cat or the dog waiting to come in. You'll be sitting there and feel sad, and suddenly you'll feel a warmth as if your cat's curling up on your lap or your dog's got his head on your chest. If you catch their presence out of the corner of your eye, it's a sure sign they may be there. Sometimes there's songs or certain sounds or smells that associate to your dog or cat, which you hear or smell when it's not even when it's not possible. You're feeling down about their death and suddenly you get a happy thought as if they're standing next to your side. You wake up and you feel their whiskers around you or that little hot breath of that dog as he breathes in your ear, telling you it's time to get up for the walk. Often they come through with relatives, but it's not unknown for them to come through with a message of some kind. Let me take you back to the story. That night, after he'd taken out Benji into the garden, and by the old tree that they had, which he said was a Palo Verde, he dug down as deep as he possibly could, and hitting that hard soil, he kept on going, as if every single muscle in his body wanted to break through the earth. He didn't care if there was rocks there, he didn't care he was going to dig it, and he decided on six foot, and that's where he was going to go. Eventually, the whole day went past, and he dug the hole. He made a little coffin for Benji, dressed him neatly with all his toys, and placed him in the ground. Now, logistically, trying to get a small coffin down into a six-foot hole is quite a challenge. He figured out a contraption using two metal poles and very carefully lowered Benji down. With the help of his, fa with his father, two family friends and a neighbour that no one knew the name of. Filling the hole back in was the hardest thing of all, till eventually, very neatly on top, he placed a small wooden cross. That night, it's as if he'd lost every part of himself. It was just too quiet. He lay in the bed, and he could hear all the sounds outside, and everything seemed to irritate him. At three o'clock in the morning, he got up and grabbed his car keys and got out into his car and went for a drive. He didn't know where he was going, but he found himself driving on the freeway and heading to downtown. A familiar feeling came over. The need to escape. The need to get high. The need to get away from this world. He knew that he was clean now, but the desire to kind of be self-destructive and destroy himself had never been so strong. He didn't just want to get high, he wanted to join Benji, he wanted to destroy himself completely. The thoughts began to drift of how painless it would be to overdose. You'd just fall asleep. As he was driving along on the freeway, he pulled off and started heading down to the ghetto area, the place where you go when you don't want to come back. A little shabby, a little dirtier, other people walking around like zombies, obviously high. There was a feeling here, a feeling of death, a feeling of loss. And then it happened very quickly. He looked in the mirror as he was doing, doing a right turn to go to the place where he knew he could get the good stuff. And in the mirror, for a few seconds, he thought he saw Benji. He slammed the brakes and looked around. No dog. Sweating and feeling a little strange about that situation he, he started his car back up again because he'd stalled it and began to drive it getting closer and closer to the destination and then by the lamppost outside the road there was a dog he pulled over to stop he thought for a second it was a German shepherd but there was no Benji he was getting closer now and he could feel the hairs on his arm standing up there was a fear of death, there was a fear of overdosing, there was all these things but also a need to end it all and get away from it all and just, he was worthless, without Benji he was nobody. 
you pulled up outside the ramshackled house. You could see that the windows had been covered with black plastic and he knew exactly what he was going to do next. He started to open the door and all the door, sudden the car door slammed on him. He tried again, the door slammed again. As if some invisible force was pushing against the door, he tried once more and the door slammed. And then he heard it. A sound that he knew so well. It was Benji's bark. As if he had been woken out of a trance, he looked around himself and saw where he was, and there was a man coming out, a deathly-looking man. Obviously, he was the dealer, and walking towards his car. Without thinking about it, he accelerated away as quickly as he could, got back on the freeway, and started to head home. He pulled into the driveway, put the key in the door, went upstairs, got into bed closed his eyes, still fully dressed, and imagined Benji lying next to him. He could feel his hot breath on his face, and he knew that he was safe. The interesting thing was that the following morning when he got up, the desire to hurt himself had gone away again completely. And over the next period of several months, every time his thought of addiction or hurting himself came, he would hear a bark or a sound or some indication knowing that Benji was there. Ten years later on, Benji came back into even more force, for now he was clean, now he was married, and now he had a small baby on the way. It's interesting how your life changes, how you can be the lowest point in your life, and then suddenly things can turn around, and you can find yourself in much better standing. You've got a good job, a beautiful wife, and soon to have a little baby on the way. He didn't want to know the sex, and neither did she. They wanted it to be a surprise. This is again the power of spirit coming through. For this is what happened that night, which I think is something that was actually published a lot here in Phoenix, but a story I want to share with you, because I think it's important if you've not heard this story. They lived in an area uh, called Van Buren, and it's got a nice area and it's not so nice area. And they were on the kind of the borderline. There was a fair amount of crime. They'd gone to bed and just after about midnight, they heard a sound downstairs. Half asleep and half awake, he uh, got up and started to look down the stairs see what was going on. There were three men in his lounge and heading up the stairs towards him. He jumped back. All he could think about was his wife. She was pregnant. She was more, but about a month away from the birth, and he knew that this was not going to end well. He tried to grab something. The, the men came barreling towards him. And then, just as the guy got to the top of the stairs, he went tumbling down as if an invisible force had hit him. And then there was a bark, another bark. From all the corners of the house, they could hear a dog barking, roof, 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 as if there was hundreds of dogs in the house. The three men had no idea what was going on. Another guy got knocked down again as if they were being hit by an invisible dog. In fact, they were so terrified, they fell over each other. One guy walked straight into the coffee table and went planning over. At this point, there was nothing but chaos. He was lying there on the top of the stairs, getting back, shoved a chair against the door and sat there with his wife. He managed to get on the phone and call the police. The police arrived pretty quickly. One of the guys was caught, the other two ran away. The interesting thing was, all of them claimed there were dogs in the house. One even had bite marks on his leg. Another said that a dog had tried to grab his throat, and it was a clear indication that something had bruised around the upper and lower part of his throat. But there was no dog in the house. There was no dogs actually anywhere around, no dogs next door, only strays that walked through the street. There was a pit bull five doors down, but the pit bull was so old... He barely could have walked up there, let alone attack somebody. My theory is, and I'm sure it is yours, that Benji came back. And the power of Benji, and maybe he brought his friends with him, who knows. So the little boy was born. And guess what the little boy's name is? They called the little boy Benji. Isn't it interesting, and you can tell me if I'm wrong, but isn't there incredible things in this world? Are there possibilities that things could happen? Is it possible that 
even if you've had a small association with an animal and you've practiced some kind of kindness, some fairness, some love, that they could come back to you. Is it possible that true love never dies? Whether it be for your children, your parents, the ones you love, or even your favourite animals. Miracles, I'm afraid, live everywhere. And if you don't believe, that's fine. But maybe tonight, open your eyes to the possibility. For I believe in miracles. We have an association with animals. We know that in our world that we are all tied intrinsically connected through DNA, through the molecules that we share, through the air that we breathe. Is it not possible that in the spiritual world it's the same? That the animals that walk with us now will walk with us in heaven? Is it not possible that we're surrounded by incredible things that we cannot see? Is it not possible a cat can come back? And when somebody is diagnosed with a terrible illness, is it possible the cat can become the healer? Welcome to the Open Mind Entertainment Network. This is a worldwide broadcast where there are no borders, no boundaries, no judgments. Simply spreading truth and healing to the furthest corners of the planet and beyond. This broadcast is a free service of Andre International in conjunction with the Open Mind Entertainment Network. Changing the world, one computer at a time. Welcome back. And I want to share with you the, the next story, which is, is to me is testimony that there is a lot more going on than we realize. Now this story actually hails out of England and from my hometown in Staffordshire. And it's a story that really set me on a path many years ago of trying to understand the interactions of us and spirits, but that especially of spirit animals. And what is interesting about this particular story is the lady never owned a cat. So here's how the story goes, and it's a story of attraction, it's a story of feeling welcome in a place. It's a story of history. And it's a story of cats. As the story goes, when I first started in, in my career, one of the things that I was trying to do was learn as much as I possibly could about every aspect, from the healing side of things, from the psychological part of things, from the more spiritual connectivity of the world, wanting to learn about clairaudience, clairsentience, Wanting to learn about div divination, how to use the pendulum, dowsing, and even psychometry. I was fascinated by all these areas, so I would involve myself or be around as much as I possibly could to try to hone my skills and understand what my abilities could be, would be, or should be. This is when these stories pre presented themselves to me. I think when you're out there looking for spirituality, it tends to find you. And just when you begin to think you know a little bit about it, you, you suddenly find that you're thrust into a whole new world of questions. You see, I read a lot of books, and this, the books that told me how spirituality was supposed to be. They talked about healing, spontaneous healing. They talked about ghosts and spirits. And to be honest with you, I believe the books. These people that had taken time to write it down were obviously smart, well-educated, experts in their field. But once in a while you find that even the most great of experts has missed something. When you look back in history to the Egyptians, they revered the spirits of the lynx, of the cats, 
we knew there was something very special about these creatures, but not the only ones. Throughout history, people have really revered the healing properties and the abilities of cats. And I think it's something that we have kind of forgotten, or at least some of us. When you get diagnosed with an illness, it, it's hard to accept at first, I think. And, and then when you're told that your illness is so serious that there's nothing that can be done. So try and imagine a young executive woman, somebody that was hovering between her hometown in Staffordshire and London. She'd get on the train and she'd come back weekends to be with her parents. She was young, just 23 years old, a powerful young woman with a lot of insight into the world. Very practical, very scientific, very analytical. She was working on a project that was going to make a lot of money. She got involved in finance and was quite good at it, and she was succeeding well. Her parents were from originally from Bangladesh, so she was of Asian descent. She'd struggled hard as a young girl, felt bullied and couldn't fit in. So to find something that was a profession that she could do could do so well, and the stock market opened up a whole new world world for her. You could be young, make money, and you could work all night, and you could be accepted, you could party, you could be loved, all in an instant. She realized the power of money, and money was going to give her a lot of freedom to do what she wanted to do. She didn't want to be poor like her parents, she wanted to have the means. Well, life can take a strange turn. That week, she had the best week of her life. She closed three major deals. And so successful was she that she got promoted within a job. Her bonus check was going to be huge, enough to buy a house, maybe two homes. She could not believe her luck. It's as if everything had fallen into place. All that hard work, all that meanness, all that dedication to making money had simply paid off. At the end of that week, she was due to go home. It was a Friday afternoon. She headed towards the train station and was about to get on one of those long-distance trains to head up and to go back to see her parents. As she was carrying a small suitcase, she felt a twinge in the shoulder. It was uncomfortable in her right shoulder. She thought nothing of it. Got on the train, sat back, managed to lift the case into the overhead even though that shoulder was hurting, and worried she might have pulled something, just kind of snuggled into the corner and fell asleep. Something felt wrong, though. The pain seemed to be moving down. It was actually right the way down in the side and the chest, and she was having troubles breathing. She got home, and she told her parents she thinks she was coming down with pneumonia or something, and she went to bed that night with hot lemon tea. When she woke up in the morning, she felt worse. Now she felt drained completely. She'd not been feeling right for a couple of weeks, but this... She'd been busy and working, and it's finally caught up with her, and she just put it down to exhaustion. That day, she pretty much kind of hung close to the fire. Didn't really want to go and do much. Just felt really uncomfortable. And she was sitting there, and she looked around the house and realised how much she loved her parents' house. It was an old cottage, and they said it was at least 200 years old. And she remembered being a little girl when they came there. They'd moved up from the city, from London itself, and she'd got to the house and just felt like the house was hers. There was something healing about this little old house, with its creaky doors and its small windows and its bad plumbing. The shower was barely a drip. The floors were crooked. But there was just a feeling about this house. A parent's home was more than just a home. And for right now, she felt comfortable and safe, although the pain was spreading. She decided to cancel work the following week and said, go and get to the doctor. She went into the general practitioner, who again was from Bangladesh, and a really happy-go-lucky kind of a guy, always laughing, always smiling, and sometimes even singing. And as she got to the doctor, he looked at her and asked her a few questions. She said she can't remember what the questions were, but she, they seemed odd. He, he turned around and made some notes, and then he asked her if he could just take a top off, and the nurse came in and they looked at her back where the pain was. He didn't say much, but he suggested that she goes to the hospital immediately, and he made arrangements for her to go to the hospital. And she said, what's wrong? She said, I, I think you just need to get checked up. There's something not right. I want to find out what it is. By the time she got in her car, she felt too sick to drive. 
one of the nurse doctor's assistants saw her and went back in and called the doctor. He got in his car and drove her to the hospital. By now, the pain was getting so intense she could barely breathe. She was killing over. This was horrific. She kept asking him, what's wrong, what's wrong? He said, we'll, we'll find out. But she could see a sadness in his eye. He doesn't remember much about what happened next, but there was all these sounds and noises, and there was an MRI machine, a clunk, 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 and they were prodding with various things. The parents turned up, and she could hear conversations in the background, and the mother was sobbing. But she wasn't really paying attention. She just didn't feel good. She remembers falling to sleep in the hospital and waking up, and the mom was there, and there were two doctors and a father. She'd never seen her father look so drawn, as if he'd not slept for days. That's when they told her that she had cancer, and that the cancer was extremely aggressive, and that it spread, and they were really concerned that it had gone into the bones, and that actually her shoulder had fractured. And they began to talk about the pain she'd been having for several months was a lot more serious. It started in the liver. And she heard all this and couldn't really accept it. She was not even 24 yet. How could she possibly have cancer? This was a dream. This was a mistake. she just made a fortune. She was going to buy a beautiful house. She was going to buy something like a parent's house. She was planning to buy a new car. She was going to go on a vacation. She was going to go around the world. She had all these dreams. And then she passed out. They said that she'd been out for about three days. When she came back round, there was just Mom there. Mom's hair seemed to have gone a little grey. Her eyes didn't seem as shiny or sparkly anymore. And that's when it hit her, the whole conversation. The doctor came in. He was a tall, elegant man. And he sat down and he held her hand. And he explained to her that the type of cancer she had had spread dramatically and there was nothing they could really do. They couldn't operate on it. They couldn't use any radiation. It wouldn't really help. Chemotherapy was out of the question. They could try all those things, but he didn't hold much hope for them. He was progressing daily. The type of tumour that she has was in all the tissue, and the fact it was in the bones, there was not a hope that they could help her. And he looked down. I don't know what it's like when you're 23 years old and you're given that story or you're told that. I don't know what that does to you. I can only imagine because I've never been in that situation but I think it takes every last piece of life out of your spirit. They arranged to take her home. At this point she couldn't walk. Uh, Everything in her body was too brittle. She couldn't even stand. Her neck was in pain. Her back was in pain. They had some kind of attachment, some kind of pump that was pumping something into her. It turned out it was a form of morphine. They took her home. and The parents had decorated the house for the holidays. It was a few months to Christmas, but they knew how much she loved the Christmas tree. and Somehow they had found a Christmas tree months before the trees had come out and they decorated everything with old decorations and she was so happy. She said she didn't know when it happened. But as soon as she got into the house, she felt healing. She felt something that was just incredible. It's just being back home, I suppose, she said to herself. But this is more than that. Home was an incredible space. She sat in the comfortable chair, which was Dad's chair, but he'd given it up so that she could be facing the TV, close to the fire. Look at that low ceiling and hear those creaking doors and feel like she was at home. The parents went off into the small kitchen and she fell asleep. And that's when it happened. She felt a cat walking up her leg, standing standing on her stretching. She could hear the cat purring. And the cat came right over to the right side and lay where the worst of the pain was, kind of squeezed itself in between her and the chair. And she stroked the cat. She felt the cat's head and felt it purring. It was a big cat. And then she slowly went deeper and deeper. She could see the cat glowing, beautiful blue light and the energy around it. And she felt as though she was surrounded by all these angels 
all these beautiful things. And then she heard a mom's voice. Kashmir, Kashmir, are you awake? And she said, yeah, yeah mom, I'm awake. What, what, what's up? You've been asleep for several hours. We're getting worried about you. She moved her head and looked to the mom, which was strange because just shortly before, she couldn't have moved the neck. It was in so much pain. It was horrible. It was, But now she could, she could feel her neck once again. I don't know what happens in the spirit world. I don't really understand the whole process of what goes on when it comes to healing and who gets chosen, who does not. But from that moment on, the pain had gone away. She didn't feel any more suffering. She didn't feel any more hurt. And added to that, the doctor started to notice a change. Her blood work was getting better. Every night she'd fall asleep and every night she'd feel the cat come back and sleep on her lap or sleep next to her in bed. And every morning she'd wake up with less pain. It simply went away. Over the course of the next several months, she made a complete recovery. There was still some fragility in the bone, but there's no sign of the cancer. There's no sign of any real damage. The doctors had no idea and they scratched their heads. They had no idea how it started, why it started, and they had no idea how it was cured. Life changed after that. She had made enough money to buy a small house just down the street from her parents. She was grateful to be alive and her health, and she started to look at what she really wanted. She was a smart girl, but she didn't want to go back to, down to London. She didn't want to do finance anymore. She wanted to do something that would, would be good for the world. So she started to collect cats. She became the cat lady of Staffordshire. She wanted to protect and love as many cats. Any cat that was in pain or suffering, the uglier, the more beaten up, the more chewed up the cat was, the more the cat got loved. She became the cat whisperer, in a sense. She'd make regular visits to her mother's and father's home to say the blessings to the cat spirit that came that night to heal her. When anybody was sick or ill, she would ask them if they would like a cat. And over the period of the next couple of years, she found many homes for these amazing cats that became healers themselves. They would sit with those with dementia, those suffering Alzheimer's, those with Parkinson's, those that were not able to care, you know, longer to care for themselves, but could care for the cat. As time has gone on, she's now dedicated life, not just to cats, but to also to dogs as well. She was the first person to really get these caregiving animals into hospitals to help with the terminally ill. Her life has become a mission of healing. She also claims that many of the animals that have been given to people have changed their lives. People's memories that were once faded have become stronger. People in pain or suffering, the pain has simply gone away. I don't have all the answers and I can't really explain what happened that night. But I can tell you something of a miracle happened. And that there's something really special about the animal kingdom. That despite the amount of abuse that we put out there, the cruelty that we give, they stay loyal to us. You can feed a person, you can give a person shelter. It doesn't mean to say they're going to be loyal to you. But a cat or a dog, even an elephant, will be loyal they return their love so much more quickly than people do. Whatever you believe about spirits, whatever your faith is, I would ask, ask you to question one thing. Can't we all be under the same roof? Isn't it possible that God loves plants, animals and people equally? And is it not possible for a miracle to come back in the form of an angel, but maybe an angel that is furry? As her life now transpires, she's a happier person, healthier person, and money plays a very small part in her life. Whereas once it was the only way that she found love and guidance, now it's simply a tool to get the next cat. Amazing grace 
Welcome back. The line's now open. 818-921-3767. A chance for you to connect your spirit animals. Now, I am warning you, if you call in, I will be testing these creatures. I don't want to promise you that Fido is there when Fido is not. So please know the history and the time that you spent with your lost loved ones and see if we can actually bring them through with real messages of hope and inspiration. Hello, caller. You're live on air. Hello. Hi, caller. Hi, Andre. How are you? I am good. Who am I speaking to? This is Debbie. Hey, Debbie. So, Debbie, I've got a couple of questions for you. First one is, I see a lot of animals around you, and I'm not... In, it, it's, did, have you had a lot of animals in your life? Have you been close to a lot of animals? Yes. But um, it's, it's complex because it seems like more than one. Did you have a horse when you were younger? No. Okay, because I'm seeing a horse around you. And it's a black stallion. It's a big horse. Does that, does that, is that anything you know of to do with the family? Did anybody have a black stallion? And this is probably somebody a lot older because this is the horse that would have been a very special horse. Not a black stallion. I photograph horses, but okay, not one special one. So tell me about. So this is this is going to sound really bizarre. I I don't know why this this horse is coming through, but this seems to be very important. Are you really good at taking pictures of horses? Is it like a speciality that you do? It's something that it's um, that I'm passionate about, and I managed to get some good ones. Yes. So I think you can kind of sound crazy that you have with you the spirit of this black horse. And I think this is this is really important because it's it's kind of guided you into your career. Does that make sense? Um. Yeah. And yeah. It, it, but this horse is from a long time ago. This was not a normal horse. This is this is like seventeen hands. This is a beautiful thoroughbred horse of high standard, and it's got a head held high. It's got a beautiful mane. And I think that you, because of this horse, you're able to capture the spirit of horses. Does that make sense? Yes. It's almost like totally. you know what they're thinking. You can catch them just at the right time and get them to look powerful and strong. Yes. What started you in taking pictures of horses? Um, well, I'm from the same city that you live in Phoenix and um, some photographer friends took me out to the Salt River to photograph the wild horses and I just fell in love with them like immediately and it was a very special place for me to go well this is because of your your this is going to sound really bizarre but your past life is associated with mm-hmm. with with race horses and with really high quality horses. Horses will come closer to you than they will to anybody else, even wild ones. So you have mm-hmm. a you have a kind of connection to them. Not that you can call them over, but I think if you really wanted to, if you were to whistle them, they'd probably come towards you because the connection's mm-hmm. so so strong. So mm-hmm. you you actually have this really strong spirit around you that's a very powerful horse. And has been with you for the last five years. Why the last? Oh, one? That's exactly that's exactly when I started. Yeah. So, the horse led you to all this, and the horse has stayed with you. This is, this is this is really unusual and very very powerful. Um, the spirit of this horse is actually you, and taking pictures of these horses 
is actually helping you heal. Oh, wow. Because emotionally... I think he's a child. I think he went... Did you go through a lot five years ago? Were you, it just seems like you were you were going through a lot. Yes. Well, yes. Wow. You've been giving it a back. A lot. You've been giving it back in spades. Let me tell you, you've been given back this gift of having this spirit guide that's a horse. You're going to notice how horses anywhere in the world react to you. And it is the... It's an unusual gift to have, but it's a very powerful gift. You, you basically, you're, you're, you're tangent to being a horse whisperer. You have that kind oh, of that's a, so awesome. ability. <laughs> Were you expecting that tonight? <laughs> but, I, I was not expecting that. <laughs> have you lost a dog? Um, I was connected to a situation a few months back in the summertime mm -hmm. um, where a dog passed, and it affected me greatly. It wasn't my dog. Did this dog have any boxer in it? It didn't look like it, but its legs were like boxers. It doesn't have the face, but it definitely has the the body of a boxer. Like a. St I don't know. All I I just saw were two two little pictures that weren't very good quality. All right. So this dog is wow. This this dog's around you as well, but it's not your dog. Why would this dog be around you? What was the connection to the person? Um, the person called and asked me. To me to help them rehome their 16-year-old dog. Oh, okay. Just because they didn't want it, they didn't want her anymore. And it destroyed me. And um, I, you want me to tell you the rest real quick? I mean, it's not a very long story. Yeah, I can find it. Was, I was reaching out to some sanctuaries around here and trying to figure out if, if I could take her. Um, it just, it just shattered me. And, um, that happened that day. And then during the nighttime, she started seizing and they called me the next morning, then very concerned mm -hmm. about their dog and, and, um, they didn't have any money to take it to the vet. So, um, I told them to take her to a certain vet and I, I paid to have her helped cross well, over. Debbie, the dog is with you right now, and the dog knew that its owners had given up. They literally... I know that. They stopped feeding her, and they stopped caring for her, and you gave, oh. you gave money, time, and effort, and this dog has, is protecting you right now. It's, you have this amazing dog and this incredible horse around you, but this dog... Is so, is so grateful because the people that should have loved it after 16 years literally just, it became too, too much of a burden. And even though they, yep. they had the money, they could have found the money, they would rather spend their money on things for themselves and not take care of this dog. And this dog wants you to know, wants, first of all, saying thank you for making it not painful because you managed to stop the pain. And also thanking, mm -hmm. thanking you for, for your spirit and for your love. Debbie, you're an incredible person. You, you really are. You didn't, you didn't have to do that. I, I just, I, I was hoping she came through. I keep her picture and I talk to her. And, and, and isn't it interesting? I knew it was a girl. And I got to tell you yeah. that this dog... Is the fun uh -huh. is the funniest dog you could ever imagine, because it's like looking looking at you, and just wants to dance around you. Wants to, because it, it it can move now. It couldn't move properly before, but now it's it's bouncing around. And this dog will will always warn you before danger happens. So and 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 I'm being told that you dr you drive too fast. You need to slow down. Okay. Why are you in such a rush? Me? Yeah. Why am I to get home usually? <laughs> well, take it from the dog and the beautiful stallion. Slow the heck down, okay? <laughs> oh, okay. I don't think I drive like overly fast. I'm just that's not what, in a rush. Uh, okay. So that's not what I'm being told. I'm not going to argue on this one. Okay. I'm being told from a dog okay. that tonight you were driving too fast. Okay, I will slow down. Were you, were you in a rush tonight? Was I what? In a rush? 
um, I always drive during rush hour, so I feel rushed. All right, so maybe just practice a little bit more slow karma, a little bit of meditation when you're driving. I don't think you realize how quickly and how much of attention you're not paying when you're driving. And it's not me criticizing right now. This is a dog, spirit dog coming through and saying, hey, I'm supposed to be, Uh I'm trying to protect you here, but I can't drive. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so thank you and that I love her. Back at you, Debbie. And, and, And thank God for people like you that make the effort when no one else will. That for me as a as, as a dog owner whose dog recently passed, who by the way was sixteen when she passed, that yeah. that means a lot yeah. to me. Yeah. Well, I think they they do they give us so much more than we ever can give them. Yeah, there's there's, there's never any words to describe um, the love that a dog or a cat or any animal can give to you, and it's unconditional. Right. It's um. It, it is. Even the crazy ones. My grandmother had collected crazy cats, and even though they were, I, was, I was terrified of them when they when they when they weren't attacking me, they were loving me. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> Debbie, true cat fashion. <laughs> thank you for your call, and uh, congratulations on discovering your your animal spirit. Thank you so much, Andre. This means so much to me. I'm sending you so much love. Oh, thank you. I really appreciate it. And uh, thank you for all you do for the animals. It will come back to you. Uh, it's all good karma. But thank you for your service. Uh, uh-huh. mm, my pleasure. Take, take good care. <laughs> you have a good night. Good Bye-bye. Job. Bye-bye. It's really important to know there's never anything wasted when you take time to help the innocent. And, and often animals can't fight back. They can't fight a bullet an arrow, a a crazy driver, poison, and the things that we do. Humans have a depth for cruelty that is unimaginable in the animal kingdom. I just hope that all of us out there will learn to be a little bit more loving to our beautiful creatures that surround us. Eight one eight nine two one. Three seven six seven. Hello, caller. You live on air. Hello, caller. Oh, we lost you. Okay, we'll try again in a second. You're listening to Talk with Andre Show, broadcasting live around the world and right here at home, in the sunny but rather wet and windy Arizona right now. If you'd like to know more about the show and you'd like to discover a little bit more about me, then go to Andre Healer Instagram, and please remember to like me. I'm worth liking. Let's try again, see if we can get through this. Uh, Looks like we're having some issues. Just one second, see if we can fix this. Hello, caller, can you hear us? No, we will get back to you shortly. One of the things that's really important about this world of the animal kingdom is that the Native Americans discovered very quickly there's an association between animals and ourselves. And many of the animals, such as the eagle, had great reverence. I think it's really important, as we look around ourselves right now, what are we doing to support the animal kingdom? Are we actually even aware that the animals around us, the the ones that we interact with every single day, the ones like the hummingbirds and the birds in your garden, might actually have incredible abilities, incredible powers, that simply go beyond our own? Call it intuition, the sense of smell, their ability to feel danger, their ability to sense things about the environment. But they're certainly not perfect, and neither are we. I hope, as you're sitting there right now, you'll take a second look at your dog, your cat, your elephant, your rhino, whatever you have in your house right now, and look at, look at them differently. Look, at, look past what you're seeing and see if you can feel the soul of those animals. For I believe in every single creature that walks this earth, including us, there's something very special inside. And that what's inside is the spirit. It's the part that never dies, the part that continues. And if you look hard enough at any person, any animal, or even a plant, you'll see that spirit. 
So if you're lucky enough right now to have a dog or a cat that's living, validate and appreciate. Love them because they won't be there for a long, long time. They have a shorter life than us, but they squeeze a lot in in their short lives and they mainly squeeze in a lot of love. So thank you for taking the time to join us here on the Open Mind Entertainment Network. I truly wish you all the best wherever you are in the world. May all your good dreams come true, and may your life always be truly guided. Good night.